Christmas program, so fifth grade and below get to go to junior church this time, uh, be involved in that, and uh, follow Melissa out that back door that way. The rest of you, grab your Bibles and open up to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to continue our series on being challenged by Jesus, looking at some of those questions that Jesus asks us that uh, significantly challenge us. You know, when I, when I was uh, a kid, staying at home sick meant that I got to watch game shows on TV. That's, that's what I liked about being uh, uh, sick when I was a kid. And, and one of my favorite game shows was, uh, uh, let's, well, I got to miss school too. I mean, they, you put those together, miss school, watch game shows. It was a great time. Um, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal with Monty Hall. Maybe some of you remember that. Monty would do crazy stuff with people in the studio audience. Like he, he would walk up to a lady and say, do you got any postage stamps in your purse? Because for every postage stamp you have in your purse, I'll give you $50. And he'd take this big wad of cash out of his pocket and, and, and start peeling off $50 bills for every stamp uh, she produced. And I'm thinking, man, that's a pretty good deal. I'd kind of like to get in on that kind of thing. And, and I also liked it because the people in the studio audience uh, dressed up in all kinds of bizarre costumes and all that kind of stuff, trying to get Monty's attention so that he would pick them for one of the games. And when he picked you for a game, the games always came down to choices that you had to make, right? So, for instance, uh, he'd pick a guy and, and he'd say, hey, do you want to take what's on the table, it's hidden under a cloth, or I've got $200 cash here in my hand. Now, you know, back in the 70s, $200 cash was a lot of cash. And so then the guy would have to make his decision, oh, what what's he want to do? And, and then once he made that decision, then Monty might come back at him again and say, well, do you really like your prize? Because I'll let you trade in that prize you won for what's behind door number three. And, and then he'd have to make another choice uh, on what was going on. And sometimes the prizes were great and sometimes not so much. Like, like uh, under the cloth on the table, there might be a cheap, you know, 1995 blender. Or there could be a certificate that says you just won a trip to Hawaii. Right? You don't know what it's going to be. And um, sometimes people made uh, good trades, sometimes not so much. I, I remember one guy that had a wad of cash in his hands from uh, taking what Monty had offered there. And then Monty said, hey, you got that cash, but there's three doors up front. And behind all three of those doors is a mode of transportation. Do you want to trade your cash for a mode of transportation? And the guy decided to do it, and so he picked the middle door, door number two. So they revealed the other doors first, and door number three on the right side, there was a bicycle. And, and then door number one, it was a brand new car. And then they opened up his door, and it was a donkey. <laughs> Great entertainment. You know, it was a good, good show. I, I like that. So I want you to know Jesus does not play let's make a deal. However, he does make it very clear that every single person in this world has a significant choice to make. A, a choice that impacts your day-to-day -day life and your eternity. A, a choice that will give you a prize, but unlike let's make a deal, that prize is known right up front. So you should be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8 is where we're looking. Two verses, uh, two questions that Jesus asks us today. Verses 36 and 37 of Mark 8. And they say this. 
for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you today and in uh, the fellowship that we can enjoy in giving and singing and, and um, listening to your word. Lord, we, we pray that your spirit would be free to work in our hearts and minds. We believe that you've drawn us here for a purpose, that each one of us is here for a reason. And God, you um, want to fulfill that in each of us today. And so we just lay our hearts, our minds before you, asking you to do your good work. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? That's the first of the, of the two questions Jesus asked to, to challenge the people that were listening to him and, and to find out who, who was listening to him. Well, you've got to go back a few verses. Verse 34, it says, And he, that'd be Jesus, summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them. There was many times where Jesus directed his teaching specifically at the disciples, even if there was a crowd of people around. It says he gathered his disciples and taught them. And sometimes the crowd was just trying to listen in. But this time he very specifically says, Everybody, Come on, I I want everyone to hear this. And and the obvious reason for that is because what he was saying here was a a question that every single person needed to hear and to contemplate and to answer. And that's what we're going to do this morning. I mean, if you're you're a note taker, uh, which which I always encourage because I think that helps uh, people uh, retain information, that's the three main points uh, of the today's message. We're we're going to hear this question. What exactly was he saying? Did he ask? Contemplate it. What does that mean? And then answer it. To properly hear it, we, we need to dissect it, make sure we understand each term, and we're going to start at the back and work our way forward with it. So notice that the question ends by talking about your soul and the possibility of forfeiting your soul. And that tells us a couple of significant truths that we need to know that is not generally accepted in our day and world at this time. The first is this. Each person, every single one of us, has a soul. You are more than your physical body. There is something that is inside of you that is the real you. This body is not you. Uh, I've heard it described as nothing more than the, the vehicle that God has given you for getting around in this world. But the real you is inside. And most of us uh, seem to understand and and intrinsically get that. But that's not what is currently accepted or taught in a big part of this world, especially here in America. See, the reality is there is no room for a soul in evolutionary thinking. If everything simply evolved from organic matter through natural processes then where would the soul come from? 
And therefore, to admit a soul means admitting that there is something beyond the physical. And that's something that a true evolutionist simply won't do because as soon as you allow for a soul, well, then that opens the door for God. And that's a place where evolution does not want to go. Did you know there's a a whole new branch of, of supposed scientific study now that's called evolutionary psychology? And basically, the whole purpose of that is to come up with naturalistic uh, evolutionary answers for things that indicate and point to the reality of a soul. Uh, things like free will. How, how is it that people have the ability to make choices or altruistic behavior or morality I- in general? In a purely physical world where survival of the fittest is the law, where do those things come from? The Bible tells us they come from the soul, and Jesus is telling us in, in this question, he's affirming the truth that you have a soul. You are more than just your physical body. Uh, a soul is the true you that will carry on long after this physical body has ceased because the soul is eternal. And that leads us to the second truth that that this uh, question indicates, and, and that is that what a person does here and now has consequences for the soul. Jesus question speaks of the possibility of forfeiting your soul but then the obvious implication of that would be that there's also something that you can do then to not forfeit your soul right if you can forfeit it then you must be able to not forfeit it and and to me that seems like a a pretty important distinction so there's something that's worth looking into and since this verse doesn't say what it is that a person can do to to make this impact for forfeiting or not then we would have to look back in the bigger context for the answer to that question so if you back up one verse you'll see it says for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel's sake will save it and just a little bit of digging into this verse helps us to understand it better. For instance, that the Greek word for life in this verse, you know, save a life, lose a life, is the exact same word that was translated as soul in the previous verse we're looking at. So you could read this verse, right? For whoever wishes to save his soul will lose it, but whoever loses his soul for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. So that helps us connect it a little better to Jesus question but it still is kind of a confusing verse i mean what does jesus mean about you know trying to save your soul ending up losing it and and losing your soul is what leads to saving it you know what does that exactly mean and on the surface it seems confusing so you keep going back in the context one more step back and you get to the very beginning of jesus teaching there in verse 34 where he says and he summoned the crowd and these disciples and he said to them if anyone wishes to come after me he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So see, by, by backing all the way up here, we get the big picture of what Jesus is talking about. It's the context of a person losing or forfeiting their soul is directly tied to whether or not they are following Jesus. 
That, that's what he's talking about. That's the context of it there. Now, we're going to look at that a little bit more when we get into contemplating the question, but we want to make sure we hear the whole question first. So, so hearing the question, we understand the back half talks about, yes, you have a soul, and yes, what you do here now will impact uh, uh, have consequences for that soul. So now let's go to the first half of the question. The whole question says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And, and so obviously we need to understand that question, man, to make sure we're hearing the question. That word man is being used in the generic, all-encompassing sense of mankind. So it's talking both male and female. What, what, what does it profit a man? What does it profit a woman if uh, she would gain this thing. And then, then it says uh, the juxtaposition. It's making the, the juxtaposition is between what we can gain in this world and the well-being of our eternal souls. So again, the obvious implication there is that there are things that we can gain in this world. That, that, that's what it's stating. That, that, that's the truth uh, uh, of the way things are. So Understanding that now, that now we've heard the question, so that makes a, a nice segue into contemplating what this means for us. We, we want to understand exactly what Jesus is talking about. And, and to do that, we, we've got to think a little bit about the soul. And the reality is, there are deep longings that are placed in the soul of every single person. Everyone sitting in here has these deep longings of the soul. And if we take time to think about it, we all have many of the same longings. In fact, I'll I'll list three primary ones that, that I believe are true for everybody. One, we desire to be known and to be loved. That that's a deep longing of our soul. Not just one or the other, though. It has to be both in conjunction, to be known and to be loved. Because, you know, if you say that you love me, but you don't know me, you're not really loving me then, right? You're just loving some image of me, some caricature, nothing real. To, to love me, you got to know me. But one of the deepest fears of our lives is to be known, but not loved. If people really knew what I was like, if they knew my past, or if they knew the dark thoughts of my heart, if they knew my struggles, my weaknesses, if if they knew my sins, if they really knew all those things about me, there's no way that they would love me. That's why we often work so hard at trying to just project some type of image, you know, that says we have it all together. We're afraid that if people really knew us, they wouldn't love us, and yet (laughs) that deep longing of our soul is that I would be known and, and still loved. I think a second longing is to be significant. We, we want to we, we wanna matter, right? Does it matter? Doesn't anybody care? Does, does it make any difference that I'm here? We, we want to matter. We want to make a difference in this world. When it's all said and done, we don't want to have just passed through and counted for nothing. We want to have meaning and purpose. 
And I believe a third longing for the soul that is true for all of us is we want to live. And I don't mean just, you know, be alive. Uh, I'm talking about live life with a capital L, right? We don't want to just survive. We don't want to merely get through the day. We want to really live to experience life in fullness. And those, those longings of our soul, they can take a real beating in this world, can't they? Such a beating that oh, we get tempted to, to press them down and, and just pretend like maybe they're not there and that we are okay with just getting by. But when you're lying awake in bed at night, when you're daydreaming in the middle of a long and boring afternoon, those, those urgings, those longings, have a way of pushing themselves up, reminding you that they're real, telling us that we want something more. And so often, what people do is they try to meet these longings of the soul, of the heart, with what they can gain from the world. Right? We, we think maybe we could gain significance if we were important enough or popular enough or powerful enough. And so we climb the ladder of success or we do whatever we think is necessary to, to be well-liked by those who we think could give us that sense of significance. We think... We could experience the love we desire if we just found the right relationship. And if this isn't the right relationship, well, then I guess I'll try another one and try another one until I find it. Or we think, we think that we can achieve life, really living through you know, thrill-seeking, getting get whatever thrills my heart or, or, or the next party or, you know, doing things my own way. If, I, if I'm my own boss, nobody can tell me what to do. That's living, man. I get to make all my own choices. And so it, it's to people, people who are in the midst of all those pursuits in, in attempting to, to fill up the emptiness of the souls, to meet that, that longing that's there, it's to those people, which is all of us, that Jesus asks his question. For what does it profit a man, a woman, to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? See, he's trying to make you think this. He wants you to answer uh, these other questions. He, he's saying, what if? What if you got everything you think you wanted? You gained the whole world. What if you had power and prestige and, and money to burn? What if every day was a thrill and you just woke up excited every morning for what's going on? What if you had the perfect mate? 
and the perfect family. Every relationship was perfect. All your friends, you had friends galore, and they were friends you knew and, and, and could trust. What if you had all of that? You gained all of that. What would it be worth if in the end you forfeit your soul? And then this is where Jesus makes us think even more deeply about the question by asking a second one. For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So here, here's the picture now of that second question. You're standing before God on Judgment Day. And, and the Bible makes it very clear that every single person is going to stand before God and, and give that accounting uh, of their life. So you're standing before God and, and you hear the words from God as He declares your soul is forfeit. In that moment, as you're standing on the brink of eternity, uh, an eternity of being forever separated from God, what are you going to give in exchange for your soul? What of all the things you've gained, even if you gained the whole world, you had all power and, and, and prestige in this world, you had all money, you had relationships, what of those is God going to accept in exchange for your soul? And the answer is clear. Nothing. Nothing you can give in exchange for your soul, which, of course, then answers the first question he asks, right? It profits you, then, nothing to gain all those things. You didn't get ahead in gaining. You got nothing. So then the question for us becomes, well, what does that mean then for, for these deep longings of the soul, for love, for significance, for, uh, for meaning in, in life? Does that go unanswered? And what about the person who doesn't want to forfeit their soul? Well, then that's when you have to go back to the invitation that Jesus makes. It's not an invitation that many people like because it doesn't sound like a very inviting invitation, does it? But here's what it is. If anyone wishes to come after me, he, she must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. I mean, the cross was, was a symbol of rejection and death. And so basically, J Jesus saying, hey, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to follow me, if you want to save your soul, here's what it takes. You must be willing to be rejected by this world, die to the world, and deny yourself. 100% about Jesus and nothing about you. Denying yourself means saying no to yourself, no to the things that you think you need in order to fill up your life, to give you life, to fill those longings of your soul. Give up 
and say no to your plans and your ways of meeting those needs. And Jesus explains why we have to do that in the next verse. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. See, there is that way to save your life. It happens by letting go, by saying no of all your own ideas and efforts to save it, i.e. denying yourself. You know, people try to save their life by various attempts to, to meet those longings of the soul. But the truth that every single person in this world needs to hear is that all of those things can only be met in the person of Jesus Christ. When Jesus talks about losing your life for his sake, he means giving everything you are to him. Because when you give your life to Christ, when you lose it in him, that's when you will find that your soul is saved. And not only saved, but then you will discover that all those deep longings of the soul that you've been yearning for, are really and truly only fulfilled in Him, not in anything we can gain in this earth. Think about it. Jesus knows you. He knows you inside and out. He knows all your dreams and hopes and aspirations and ambitions, but He also knows your every weakness. Your every failing, your every sin, your every secret. And yet He loves you completely and unconditionally and unfailingly. He loves you so much, you're so valuable, so precious to Him that He died for you, gave His life so your soul could be saved. And Jesus... He makes you significant. He gives your life meaning and purpose. He has a a mission for you. He has a role for you to play in the body of Christ that is meant for you to fulfill, you and you alone. Your life matters because Jesus wants to use your life to impact other lives for eternity, for His kingdom. I mean, how significant is that? And Jesus promises to give you life, real life. Not necessarily easy life, not, not, a, not a life without any pain or hardship, but a life that is truly filled with, with joy and peace and meaning and purpose and excitement and all those things that come from that vital relationship with Him. I know it's possible And there's some here this morning and you realize I've never come to Jesus Christ on His terms. Maybe I've been trying to make a Jesus of my own making, one that suits me and and, and will make me feel good. That's, That's nothing more than trying to meet that longing of your soul in your own way. And you realize, no, I I need to deny myself and say no and come to Jesus on His terms. Maybe you've been trying to fill it up by doing the right thing. 
I'll, I'll go to church. I'll, I'll try to be good. I'll try to do these other things. That's not what Jesus asked. He said, deny yourself. Say no to all your own efforts and plans and attempts to try to be good enough and to get saved. Just come to me. Lose yourself in Christ. And you'll find everything that you've been looking for. In a few minutes, we're going to share in communion. Or before we do that, we're going to sing a couple of songs. And even during the time of that song, if you've not come to Christ, then today's the day. You can do that in the quietness of your heart and, and where you're, you're seated. Let the songs and the music wash around you. Forget that. It's about you and Jesus and coming to Him. But I've got to challenge you one other way. There might be many of you here that you say, well, I'm, I'm already saved. I know that. I, I, I have that assurance. I've come to Jesus Christ. But you know, there's still a danger for us. And that danger is that we might be saved but end up pursuing so many other things to try to gain that sense of significance, of, of love, of, of meaning, of life. And today Jesus is saying, hey, give up on those futile attempts. They're not going to provide what you need. Everything you need is found in me. It won't be found in another person, another position, another job, another promotion, another whatever. It's only going to be found in me. And maybe Jesus has been speaking to your heart today about something you, you need to say no to so that you can say yes to Jesus Christ, fully and completely giving your heart to Him. Again, take the time during these songs to pray and prepare your heart as we get ready to share in communion. Let's sing. Just stand, please. His name is wonderful, His name.